And it reads, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, and he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Amen. You may have your seat as Pastor Todd comes. Good morning. Anyone ever leave the house and you're like, man, I'm forgetting something? Anyone ever pull that number? I, I pulled that number this morning. I'm like, man, I'm forgetting something. Yeah, I was getting dressed, and in the, in the, uh, this might be TMI, I have no idea. I'm getting dressed back there, and I'm like, I don't have a belt on. So if at any point I don't come to the side, you know why. Uh, like, I, it's like, I just don't feel right without a belt on. I, my pants do fit kind of snug, so I don't think that's going to happen. But this whole morning, I'm like, man, I forget something. I must be getting a belt. Well, it is good to be here with y'all. Go Texas. I mean, come on. I mean, I mean, I got to hear about all year about Tennessee. I get one shot of glory and I I don't even get a woohoo or anything like that. Hook them horns. We'll see what happens today. I don't have much faith in today, to be honest. Oh, y'all didn't come here, hear me talk about basketball. That's for sure. Well, let's get into God's word. We're here in the book, the letter of John, John is writing this letter, if you've been with us, about two things, to love God and to love other people, and how those things are to coexist, and how one has to uh, precede the other, and we're not sure which one comes first, love God or love others, love others, love God, they have to be together. If you were with us last week, I said this week, if you thought last week I was stepping on your toes, I I mean, curl those little bad boys up, because the Holy Spirit is coming because he came for me this week. Uh, this little uh, few verses are all about sin. Now, sin isn't a topic we like to talk about anymore. Sin is something we want to skirt around. Sin is something we uh, want to just say, well, you know, it, it is what it is. But sin is a serious matter. So I want to help us this morning to look at the seriousness of of sin. I'm going to look at it in three ways. Sin is a rebellion against God's word. We'll see that in the very first verse. Sin is a rebellion against the work of Christ. And sin is a rebellion against holy living. So we're going to look this morning at how sin is a rebellion against God, a rebellion from Christ's work, and ultimately how it's a rebellion of 
how we are to live life. Remember last week, I said we're in the gym. We've been looking at this book in the lens of us being in a university setting. Last week, we're in the the locker room getting ready to go play basketball. Today, we're going to take the court. But today, we're going to have to look at what side do we play for? Which jersey are you wearing? Who do you represent? Because you can't go back and forth. How ridiculous would it look like if I start off playing with one squad and then all of a sudden at halftime I put on another jersey and play with another squad? But how often we do that in this life. And John is saying to us, no, no, you're going to know when you leave here today what squad you play for. And it's going to be black or white. There is no gray when it comes to this idea of who do you play for. Who is your allegiance to this morning? My hope is that all of us will leave this space this morning knowing without a shadow of a doubt who we play for because remember what John is writing this little letter for. Turn in your Bibles or that little notebook I gave you and I told you from the get-go, you're going to want to highlight this verse. The verse is 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. This passage for us this this morning comes out of the reason he wrote the book. You want assurance of your salvation. This morning, my prayer is you'll all walk out with the assurance of what Christ has done for you. Remember what John says, the reason he wrote this little letter. He says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. I'm writing to you, Christian. I'm writing to you to say you actually believe that Christ is who he said he is. And Christ has done what he said he's done. And Christ has come to give you life. He says, so that you will know. That you will know. That you, you, there will be no doubt about it. That you will know what? That you have eternal life. My prayer has been through this study. Is that you will all leave. And I will leave. And we as a church will leave knowing that we have eternal life. The the whole crux of what we come to talk about week in and week out is that you will know that you have eternal life. There ought to be no mystery for you. I know there's religions that say, well, you can lose your salvation, you can regain it, you can lose it. That's simply not true. You either have it or you don't. You either believe in what we're going to come and Praise God for in two weeks, Easter. You're either going to believe that and that's going to hold your eternal security or it doesn't. Like what what Jesus says in the gospel is this. Once you're in God's hands, there's nothing that can take you out. Not even yourself. So do you this morning, do I this morning, do we as a church this morning have the assurance of our salvation? Do we know what team we play for so we've come out of the locker room this morning we're stepping onto the court and we're about to go into uh those uh where where they do the roll call the starting lineup if you will what team will your name be called from this morning there's only two options 
he says that in the text. He says it at the very end in verse 9 and 10, and I'll eventually get there, but he says this. He says, you who are children of the devil are the ones who practice evil, or you who are of God practice righteousness. Which one are you practicing? Righteousness or the works of the devil? So let's now jump into what this thing is that would separate us and divide us onto which team we play for. It's one little three-letter word. It's called sin. He says that in the very first verse. Everyone who practices, makes a practice of sinning, also practice lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So we've got to define what sin is. Not what is my definition of sin. Not what is your definition of sin. What is God's definition of sin? Because so many of us, we want to define sin and what sin is and what sin isn't. Because if I get to define sin of what it is and isn't, then I get to live how I want to live. Like the world will tell you what sin is and what sin isn't. Just turn on the news. But there is standards that God has called us to. So what is sin? That one little word. Sin is this. It is to have the understanding that we miss the mark. So the word in the Greek means to miss the mark. So think of an archer. Think of a, a rifleman. There is the mark, the bullseye. He, he's saying, you, if you do anything but hit the bullseye, you are in sin. You don't get any points. This ain't darts. Like, if you just hit the dartboard, you get some points. What an easy game. Like, throw that behind my back for some points. But in this game, God is saying, no, you get no points even if you hit the board. You've got to hit it dead on every time. If you don't hit it dead on, it get a bullseye every time, you've missed the mark. So what is the mark that we're aiming for? Holiness. Holiness. Remember what Peter will say, and he borrows this from the Old Testament. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. But as he who called you, he who called you from death to light, he who saved you is what Peter's saying. He who's redeemed you, he who's set you free, he called you into his family is what Peter's saying. He who called you is holy. You also be holy in all of your conduct. I've said this before, I'll say it again. The word all always means all. It doesn't mean some. All means all. So in all of my conduct, I'm to be holy. What I do at 1 o'clock in the afternoon ought to be the same thing as what I'm doing at 1 p.m. or 1 a.m. in the morning. It's everything that I'm doing in my life. A life of holiness. He goes on to say this way. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So he goes back and says, anyone who makes a practice of sinning, who makes a practice of missing the mark, also practices lawlessness. Lawlessness means this. This, this is the law. So he's saying if you don't practice this, you practice lawlessness. And lawlessness is sin. And what is sin? Missing the mark. 
And you may be sitting here and being like, well, Todd, when you taught on First John chapter 1, you said that John said we ought not to say we've never sinned. So now what is he talking about? So in the first chapter, he says, hey, you, you can't say you've never sinned. You're going to keep sinning. And now in chapter 3, he's saying, don't make a practice of sinning. What is he talking about? The word is so important in the text is that little word makes a practice. Circle that, highlight it. What is John talking about? This is what John is talking about in this text. The word to make a practice of is to have a lifestyle of sin. You will sin again. You and I are humans. We still have the sin nature in us. By the end of the afternoon, maybe by the end of service you'll sin. I have no idea. But John is not saying about that. He's saying, do you have a lifestyle of practicing sin? Or do you have a lifestyle of practicing righteousness? So you and I must now take an inventory of our lives. Is there this sin that is pervasive in my life that continues to go on and on and on and I give no regard to? That is what John is talking about. The place that our hearts have gotten so hardened that we no longer fall under conviction, which means we no longer fall under confession, which means we no longer fall under repentance. So you and I will sin again. There's grace for that. But John is saying to us, is your life and is my life a life of habitual sin? Do I make a practice of sinning? I told you God's word is going to step on our toes. Now you want to know what the New Testament says about sin, just go read what God said through Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. He kind of lists it all out. And then he says this, it's not about your actions. It's about your heart. So you might be sitting here this morning and be like, I don't do any of those things. I've never murdered anyone. I've never committed adultery. I've never, I've never. And then I'd say, well, what does your heart reveal about what you've never? It's not always about your actions. Because we know actions come from one place and one place only. The heart. So John is saying to us, what does your heart look like? Not only your actions. What is your heart? Do you rebel against God and against people in your heart? Because then you make a practice of lawlessness. We'll do an inventory this morning before I get to the second point. Because sin is a rebellion against God's word. This is why he's going to tell us over and over what he's about to tell us again. I said it last week. I said it the week before that. John repeats himself over and over and over again. You're going to be like at the end of this thing, at chapter 5, you're going to be like, how many times is my man going to tell me to abide? Why is he going to tell us to abide? So that we don't practice lawlessness. It's not just because he wants you in God's word. It's because John has this conviction that if I abide in him, then I won't keep practicing lawlessness. 
do you and do I first believe this? Because the rest won't matter. The rest of this text will not matter if you do not believe verse 4. Everyone who practices, makes a practice of sinning, also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Do you believe what sin is? It's anything contrary to God's word. Period. Not what the news says, not what the world says. Do you and I, do we believe what God's word says is sin? Because I promise, if you don't believe that, just go ahead and turn me off for the next 20 minutes because the rest of this message will not matter to you. Because you won't even understand what Christ came to do if you don't believe in sin. The next point is this. Sin is a direct rebellion against the work of Christ. Let me read the passage, verse 5, 6, 7, and 8. You know, talking to believers, you know that He, Jesus, appeared in order to take away sins. And in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning, and no one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice, again, of sinning is of the devil, and the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Do you believe and do I believe? We've been talking about it over the last several weeks. Do we believe in the power of Christ and what Christ came to do? That is what we're going to celebrate in two weeks. That is what Easter is all about. Easter is all about what he was proclaimed to do from the beginning of time. That's back in Genesis chapter 3. That, that God would come, send his son, and he would break, he would break sin, he would squash it with his heel, it says. Do we believe that? Do we believe, there, therefore, that sin is in the picture, therefore, there has to be a remedy to sin, Therefore, that's why I said, if you don't believe in sin, you don't need to believe in Jesus. He's just a good dude. But Jesus came to do away with the works of the devil. Remember what John said when he saw Jesus coming in the wilderness. Remember, John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. Remember what the prophecy was about John. John, it was said that he would prepare the way of the king. And remember what he says, here, here comes Jesus in a distance. And John the Baptist screams at the top of his lungs, and this is what he says in, in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him. What a sight that would have been. I, I could just preach on that. Remember what happened to John in the womb when he came in contact with Jesus when he was in his mom's womb. That brother left. He, he did a little jumpy jump in the womb. And now he actually gets to see Jesus. So I imagine he's jumping at this point. And this is what he says about Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God. Now why would he call him the Lamb of God? He called him the Lamb of God because John knew there had to be a sacrifice on our behalf for what? Sin. Because of sin, there has to be a sacrifice atoned for all the sin of the world. And so John sees 
the sacrifice coming says, that's the Lamb of God. All this other things we've been doing, that's not going to matter anymore because the Lamb of God has shown up. And then what does he say about the Lamb of God? All the things that John could have said in that moment about the Lamb of God. But catch what he says. Behold the Lamb of God who what? Takes away the sins of the world. Do we believe that? Do we believe that Jesus came to take the sins of the world away? So if we keep on sinning, what does it do with the works of God? It says it doesn't matter. Like every time I make a practice of sinning, I'm saying to the cross, that thing doesn't matter. Your life doesn't matter. Your sacrifice doesn't matter. Your blood doesn't matter. None of it matters. When I make a practice of sinning. And John is pleading with us. May it not be so. May it not be that we would say about the life of Christ, it doesn't matter. But that's what sin is saying. That ought to break our hearts. You see what John is saying in this text. He says this. You know that he appeared. You know this. You know this, children. He appeared in order to take away the sins, your sins, my sins. And in him there is no sin. He was a sinless person. That's how he can be called the Lamb of God. And then he says this. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. How come? Because if I abide in him, the one who does not sin, how can I keep on sinning? But it all hinges on that one little word, abiding. Because if I abide in Christ, it's going to eradicate sin from my life because sin and Jesus cannot coexist. They're oil and water. They're contrary to each other. And so John is pleading with us, hey, you know that God sent his son who knew no sin to be our sin so that you would not have to be continue to sin. Therefore, abide in him who is sinless. As you abide in him, the sinlessness of the world, then you will know about your righteousness. Because you can't keep on sinning. Because if you keep on sinning, you're sharing that you've never seen him or what? Known him. Like you've never had relationship with him, is what John is saying. If you make a practice of sinning, a practice. He's saying, you cannot say you know God. Remember what Jesus said about the people that made a practice of sinning. They came to Jesus. They said, but Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And then what does he say to them? Well, depart from you. I never knew you. Gosh, how terrifying would that be? And what John is saying, he's going back to that saying, these men and women, they were practicing sin. And they were trying to practice righteousness. And their righteousness didn't outweigh their sin. Even if it was one sin, their righteousness didn't outweigh the sin. And God himself through Jesus said, 
I, I have no idea who you are. Not only can we not know him, but he does not know us. That should terrify us, church. He goes on to say this. But whoever what? Practices righteousness is righteous as what? He is righteous. We defined the word righteousness last week in the sermon. Righteousness is what? Living rightly. I can only live rightly when I abide in him. When I live in him, I'll live rightly. You, you see, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're going to know what team you play on by the way you live. He goes on in the text after saying just to live rightly. He says again, whoever makes a practice of sinning is what of the devil. Yeah, that's scary. He says, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. What John is talking about that is the moment, you can read it in Isaiah, there's this moment in heaven where, where God had created everything and everything was perfect. Even Lucifer in heaven was perfect. But there was this moment with Lucifer that he said to himself, hey, I want to sit on that throne. God's like, I don't play that game. I, I, that's not really what he said. That's how I interpret it. Like he's like, nah, we don't play like that here. So you got to, you and like a third of the angels that want to do that, y'all got to go. Y'all can't be hanging out with me anymore. And he kicks him out. But from that moment on, the moment he decided and desired to live on the throne, he's been sinning ever since. And he's been doing the same thing to you and I. Sin is simply missing the mark. And missing the mark, our mark that we want, we want to sit on the throne. That's an ultimately what, what sin is. Sin is saying, God, you don't have it right. Your ways aren't okay. I got a better idea how this thing ought to go. So let me sit where you sit. God's like, no, nah, I don't play that game, homie. He doesn't say homie, but that's just, again, how I interpret the Bible. It's like, no, no, we don't do that. He's saying, and if you do that, you are from the devil. You're just like the devil. Remember what Jesus says about the devil. He's the father of lies. That's the lie. You can be like God. That's what he told. That's the first lie in the Bible. And he's been telling you and me in the church that lie ever since. Hey, you, you can just be like God. No, you can't. And when you think you can, that's called sin. And anything that you do that's contrary to God is ultimately saying, I want to live on that throne. Like, my idea about marriage is better than yours. My idea about sexuality is better than yours. You want me to keep going? My idea about drinking is better than yours. My idea about sex is better than yours. My idea about entertainment is better than yours. I can keep going. That is sin. And sin is saying, I got a better idea than the holiness of God. And John's like, no, 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 no. He's saying, goes back, hey, this is the reason that the Son of God, Jesus, appeared. Was to what? To destroy the works of the devil. It was to say to us, hey, you can't play like that. It was to destroy the lies that Satan's been trying to get after us since the garden. 
And Christ came and he's destroyed that lie. He's saying, no, there's only one that can sit on the throne and it's not you. Now you can come into the throne room, you just can't sit on the throne. You can sit beside him. You can kneel before him. You can worship him, but you can't be like him. And that is the work that cross says to us. He came to destroy that lie. And we believe he has destroyed that lie. Because if we do, then we won't continue to practice sin because we'll realize that sin's going to get us nowhere. Because he's already won. He's already destroyed that one. He goes on to say in that last verse, He's destroyed the works of the devil. Now at the last point. Sin is a rebellion against a holy living in verses 9 and 10. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. In other words, no one born of God makes a practice of lawless living. No one born of God continues to live the way he lived before he came to Christ. I would say to you, if you've come to Christ and your life looks no different than when you prayed a prayer and walked an aisle, then I'd say, eh, according to John, nope, you ain't got it. That's not my words, that's his. Take it up with him. I mean, you can come talk to me in my office, but I'm going to point you back to that. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. So if you've been born of God and do you practice sinning, those two things cannot coexist. Therefore, sin is saying to you, to me, Hey, you are going against a holy life. Well, how do I live a holy life then? If God's called me to holiness, then how do I live that way? You've got to believe in the promise that comes out of this text. It says, for God's seed abides in him or in you. And because that seed abides in you, you cannot keep on making a practice of sinning. What the answer is this, highlight this in your Bibles. You've got to ask the question, then what is the seed of God? If I at salvation have been implanted the seed of God, then what is the seed of God? The seed of God is the Holy Spirit. In other words, the seed of God is the word. We, we studied that back in Genesis. That when God decided to make the universe, he did it through the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now at your salvation has been planted in you. You have the word of God in you. Does it dwell in you? Has it taken root in you? Because when it has, then he says this, John makes it so clear, you can't keep on practicing sin. It's impossible. How come it's impossible? Because when I sin, I have the Holy Spirit that brings conviction, and conviction again brings confession, confession brings repentance. Therefore, when I live a repented confession life, the, the, the seed of the enemy doesn't get planted in my life. The Word of God is planted. Yes, I'll sin, but that sin doesn't have to take root because there's something already that dwells in me. Do we believe that? Then he goes on to say this. It's like, all right, if you still don't get it, I don't know how else you're going to get it. He says, by this, 
it is evident who the children of God are. You want to know if you're a child of God? Here you go. And who are the children of the devil? It says this, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. If you don't practice right living, you are not a child of God. Therefore, you only have one other option. You are a child of who? Satan. You're not practicing righteousness. You are practicing sinfulness. There is no neutral in this walk with God. You're either pursuing him or you're pursuing the devil. There is no neutral. I wish there was. This car has not been built with neutral. It's either going towards Christ or it's going towards Satan. So John says, hey, you want to know what team you play on? Look at your life. Examine your life. The first mark of someone that's living a holy life is marked with righteousness. He says, but it doesn't stop there. There's another mark. He says this, the one who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Uh Uh-oh. So he's saying you can have this right living, but if it didn't come out through loving one another, you ain't really have right living. That's the, the, the southern slang to Jesus. That's how I hear him. He's saying your right living will always lead to loving one another. Remember what he said in John chapter 13, 35. A new commandment I give you. It's not really new. He says this, that you are to love one another. And by the way that you love one another, what happens? The world will know that you're his disciples. The world will know what team you play on. So now I've got to ask myself, am I living rightly? And do I love who God's put around me? Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in his sight. Is that true for us? Now, I don't mean to step on toes. But our makeup is not how heaven's going to look. Not going to be 99% whiteies and 1% African Americans. It's not going to happen like that. We're going to be outweighed. My challenge to us as a church is we ought to look like heaven now. Which means we're going to have to love things that we don't prefer. It's not about preferences, it's about love. So will we really love one another? Will we practice righteousness? Will we practice what we say in a way that we love the world? This place ought to be made up of so many different kinds of people that aren't like us. The way that we worship, the way we sing, the way we dress. He's saying, if you have any, John and James say this way, if there's any preferential treatment, you're not practicing righteousness. So again, I'm going to read what he says. Nor is the one who does not love his brother is not born of God. Are we? House Chapel, practicing righteousness, or are we practicing love to a lost and dying world that doesn't look like it? That is what John is getting after. 
So for me, for you, as we close this morning is this. Do you first believe in what sin is? It's a rebellion against God. It's a rebellion against the work of Christ. And it's a rebellion against how God's called us to live. Do we believe that this morning? I pray that we be a church that we mark with righteousness and loving one another. Let me pray for us this morning.